0: You're listening to the Gov Future Podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we interview Jim Palumbo, Command Information Officer, Naval Facilities Engineering Systems Command, Washington, Office of the Chief of Naval Operations, U.S. Department of the Navy to discuss unique opportunities that advanced and emerging technologies like AI and quantum provide for cybersecurity, as well as some of the unique challenges the Navy and armed forces face in adopting advanced technologies for cybersecurity and zero trust. Stay tuned.
1: Hello and welcome to the GovFuture podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron
2: Schmelzer. And we again thank you so much for listening to Gov Future. We've been cranking on so many episodes lately, interviewing some really fantastic people who are advancing innovation within the government and public sector across all the various different parts federal, state, local, and international. And if you're listening to, to this GovFuture podcast for the first time, uh, for those of you who are listening, this podcast is really the place to go to hear interviews with public sector thought leaders and hear some insights into how different government agencies and Different parts of the public sector are adopting and adapting transformative technology, and here's some conversations on key topics that are helping our listeners understand more about what is happening and what other people are doing, and of course, staying ahead of innovation in the public sector.
1: And if you're not familiar with our GovFuture community, GovFuture is the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more by going to govfuture.com, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But as Ron mentioned, we have been interviewing some, you know, wonderful thought leaders in this space. We've had some incredible podcasts, and we're so excited to have with us here today, Jim Palumbo, who is the Command Information Officer, Naval Facilities Engineering Systems Command, Washington. So welcome, Jim, and thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at the U.S. Department of the Navy.
3: Sure, yeah, Uh, Jim Palumbo, as noted, I'm with uh, Naval Facilities and Engineering Systems Command. I've been there for about three and a half years uh, as as a command information officer. Uh, Responsibilities there, so the the command itself, uh, we do facilities cradled grave um, across, uh, for Navy facilities across DC, uh, Northern Virginia and uh, Maryland. So from concept, design, maintenance, um, and then eventually when you have to tear down a facility, Uh, We're responsible for that and everything around it, the environmental aspects and that. My team um, does the holistic support for all of those engineers, um, maintainers, environmental engineers. Uh, So from the specific engineering applications that are required to support the uh, design and build and maintain maintenance of a a facility uh, to the basic IT end user devices, whether it's computers, computers. Uh, um, pads, smartphones, et cetera, uh, to also the cybersecurity um, aspect of it, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, during the course of this conversation. Um, A lot more uh, interest and understanding of the importance of securing um, our facilities as uh, we become more aware of uh, what our adversaries are up to uh, out there and the importance of facilities when it comes to supporting the mission uh, across the Department of Navy and, and some of the unique Uh, mission sets that we have here in our uh, aor so been doing that for about three and a half years Um, retired air force cyberspace officer did that for 24 years um, from running the network uh, out at an installation to um, at uh, air mobility command headquarters did three years there where i was responsible for uh, all the communications on the the amc the the big um, uh, planes that the air force flies uh, to include the Blue and White Fleet. So did uh, comms on Air Force One, Air Force Two, and all the various secretaries. Um, uh, three years supporting combat, combat commands, uh, North, uh, U.S. Northern Command, and then uh, running the ops division at the uh, Joint Cyber Center down at uh, CENTCOM. And then the last five years of my uh, career were, were in the uh, Air Force CIO, uh, where I was the uh, director of staff, so uh, coordinated actions across all of the uh, CIO staff and interacting with the rest of the the air staff and the various programs across the Air Force and uh, was a division chief a couple times uh, where I um, managed various programs uh, for the Air Force to include uh, all the cyberspace policy uh, and cybersecurity policy for the Air Force. So uh, pretty broad background, um, but uh, really happy to be at uh, NAFAC and, and supporting the uh, important facility mission that we have there.
2: Yeah, That's pretty impressive. That's a a lot of background. You've obviously seen a lot of different systems in a lot of different contexts, both physical and virtual cyber electronic systems and physical systems. And it is interesting because if you see what's happening around the world... All of those things are now (laughs) open to so many new threats. You know, people are are doing things that maybe like even 10 or 20 years ago, you never would have thought, you know, (laughs) these new uh, things that our vulnerabilities and adversaries are doing. So that does bring, of course, the role of technology and maybe ways that it can help and and perhaps vulnerabilities. So maybe just start with some general things and talk about some of those opportunities. And, you know, what do you see as some of the unique opportunities that advanced and emerging technologies like AI? can't go very far today without talking about AI or quantum or some other emerging technologies really provide for cybersecurity and, and for some of the things that you were talking about.
3: Sure. It, it's, I could go back 20 years to set the context, uh, going back to when I was running the network out at Edwards Air Force Base, and we were partnering up. Little did I know I was going to be doing facilities type stuff back then, but we were partnered up with um, in the Air Force it's Civil Engineers. Uh, in regards to um, the first uh, control systems that you were putting into facilities. And at that point, it was just get them into every facility. You had no concerns in regards to cybersecurity uh, back then. It was all about uh, increasing capability. And it made sense back then because you just weren't aware that uh, down the road that uh, adversaries were going to look to take advantage of that. And over the course of the last 10 years, five years or so, obviously, there's been more awareness um, as uh, actions have act, uh, actually occurred. And, and now we're starting to understand, all right, you have to kind of balance that out in, in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, you want to have that capability because being able to remotely control systems um, you know, dramatically improves your ability to support the mission and as things ebb and flow. Uh, but at the same time, you have to be aware of all of that interconnectivity and, and the threat that that introduces um, to your operations. So, um, that awareness is obviously um, and, and appropriately uh, dramatically increased uh, over the last few years. Um, and, and the trick is, is finding that balance. You don't want to get um, too, uh, you have to understand the mission uh, and understand the requirements there and um, be as precise as you can with your, your um, security actions in order to ensure that you're not going to um, inadvertently have a negative impact on uh, on operations while at the same time Um, have an adequate security posture to be able to counter anything that that an adversary um, is is trying to do with, with your facilities or against your mission in some way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, you know, it's always, it's interesting to hear all these stories and everything that's going on. I think that, you know, as you said, the past five, 10 years, people have become more aware of this. Organizations of all sizes really need to be paying attention to what's going on. So what do you see as some of the challenges that you face in adopting advanced technologies for cybersecurity and zero trust? And are they unique to DOD and the Navy? Or do you think that these challenges more broadly apply to, you know, everybody that's looking at cybersecurity and zero trust?
3: Yeah, sure. It's a a little bit of both. There's always going to be some sort of uh, uniqueness to the DOD mission and how you need to approach things. Um, But at the core facilities or facilities and and controls, the control systems they are being used are are largely the same, um, whether it's within DOD or um, out in industry or academia. Um, So there's a lot of uh, lessons learned that we can take um, from those uh, partners uh, in those other environments. And, And as I tell my team all the time, we are not in an academic environment if somebody's already doing a plagiarize all day long and you'll still get uh full credit. So I think that's you know one of the things is to understand that somebody else is probably already um if they haven't figured it out um they're working through it and if you can um you know partner up with them and find out who those folks are and be able to add value to those conversations you can actually um, start to speed things along. I think that's one of the big things that's changed within the last few years is Security. Uh, the approach to security was very much um, uh, insular, or, or you know, within each of the organizations, and, and there was this hesitancy to share because you might give up some sort of secret or something along those lines. And I think what's really been encouraging over the last couple of years is, is the um, seeing the conversations and those barriers. Um, start to break down between um, DoD, industry, and academia, and understanding there is a lot of shared challenges there that uh, if we work together in that shared space, we can make uh, tremendous progress and speed up um, that progress. And then where uh, we are unique within DoD, we can focus those resources on that uniqueness, but you know, a great majority of that space is going to be shared in some way, shape, or form, or the challenges are going to be shared. So, um, you know, continuing those partnerships and those conversations will only get us to that, uh, you know, get to that that um, environment and that, that secure environment that we want to have and be able to evolve as uh, challenges evolve.
2: Yeah, that that's actually core to have. a lot of what we've been doing really lately. Is is this information sharing? You know, to the extent that some things may be common across different applications, different industries, and even, you know, government industry, or some of the challenges might be common, even if the specific implementations may be, you know, highly specific, or, you know, perhaps something that you can't share the, the general... Uh, things can be. And we I know we've been spending a lot of time on that lately, both with Gov Future, both in terms of what we do here and what we do at our forum events and do other things like that. And I encourage our listeners to take a look. We're actually starting to publish more, doing more like checklists and downloadables and what is guides and explainers. You know, you might think that, well, you know, we've been doing AI, for example, for the last 70 years. Why? What is there to explain? The answer is this is an area of continued evolution, and things are changing at a faster and faster rate. And uh, you know what might have been perhaps only possible for someone with supercomputing capability and you know petabytes or exabytes of zeta uh, zettabytes of data now is like in the hands of even the most casual person some of these really complicated models which really brings a lot to to bear some both opportunities and challenges. So um I think that's part of it. You know, things are moving very fast. And so one of the challenges, like, you know, how how do you how do you stay ahead? How do you make sure you're not falling behind? How do you make sure that you're not surprised perhaps by something that may come out of seemingly nowhere and now all of a sudden you have you're faced with a real challenge. And that's one of those those things we're always wondering about. You know, how does, you know, the the Navy, you know, it's in particular in general, you know, how do you stay up to date with both both like you know, cybersecurity approaches or, or emerging technology approaches, in ways that you know allow you to take advantage of those opportunities and of course reduce risk.
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, being retired Air Force, one of the things that I, I continuously do is stay in touch with my network in in, in some way, shape, or form. So, um, particularly DOD, um, the great work that's going on, obviously, in U.S. Cyber Command. Um, and 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 the work that they're doing with the hunt forward and and um, going out with our allies and partners and and um, actively out in the space where adversaries are are taking action and and learning those tactics techniques and procedures and and, and taking that information and um, evaluating it and going all right where does this align with what we're trying to do here and take that work that's already being done as, as as much as possible and then to leverage technology um as we can i mean the um in our space the, the way we kind of package it up is there, there there are three kind of um areas that you have to bring together and merge in some way shape or form there's that traditional cyber hygiene all the patching stuff that that you've always had to do um there's the the mission aspect of it you'll you'll people Use the term, you know, the crown jewels of the organization. What do you, what are your priorities? What do you need to focus in on? And then there's um, understanding the, the intel, the adversary capability intent um, aspect of it. And, and this is where I really see things like uh, AI machine learning is that volume of data is only increasing. It's in, in, increasing exponentially on, on a daily, weekly Basis. So the ability of an an, uh, an individual or a group of individuals to be able to parse through all of that information and and be able to focus uh, effort accordingly is um, is impossible and only becoming more impossible. So to be be able to leverage um, AI and machine learning and quantum computing to take that, that just you know gobs of data and be able to analyze it and turn it back into um, terminology from a military perspective, the OODA loop, you know, the observant orient, that's where we're going to need AI and machine learning in order to properly inform the deciding and the act um, actions that need to occur and then start that process over again. That's where I kind of see the, you know, AI and machine learning just being an absolutely critical component to our success is, that observe and orient aspect of it, because there's just so much information out there, so much data out there, and only increasing on a daily basis. But um, you know, tying back to U- 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 U.S. Cybercom, that's that's one of the main things from a from a, a, a military perspective. Um, and it's great to see what General Nakasone has done up there in regards to kind of opening it up and, and sharing of information and, and reaching out to industry and reaching out to academia and um, kind of driving us as a community along in in regards to that uh, information sharing.
1: You know, when it comes to cybersecurity, too, I think this is something that everybody needs to think about, right? You know, attacks from all different uh, ways from, you know, you can get email attacks, right? So, you know, all levels need to be mindful of this. So what are you doing particularly to you know, we talked about how you're staying up to date, but maybe how are you looking to train everybody and kind of keep them, uh, on top of what they need to be on top of without kind of defocusing them too much, right? You don't want them to be paying too much attention to this all day so that they're not getting their main job done, but how are you kind of, you know, keeping people aware of this and what steps are you doing to help in that regard?
3: Yeah. So, uh, uh, Put as mix of a couple things. So there's kind of you know what we look at navy wise uh, from hey this is the, the the foundational pieces that you need to have. And again, that's kind of reaching back to U.S. Cybercom and, and DISA and understanding what they're doing from an enterprise perspective, and then um, narrowing that down into okay what what do we need to, to uh, build on from there, and then actually working with the individuals as well. Um, each of the individuals kind of have their own passions. And uh, you want to give them some f- level of freedom in order to be able to explore that. So whether it's from an AI machine learning perspective or deep diving in regards to um, how to, to uh, um, continuously monitor our systems and uh, improve our ability to uh, continuously um, um, uh, ATO, you know, uh, you know, the continuous ATO process in regards to to that. Um, so we've been able to find that, that mix in, uh, with uh, having conversations with our folks and, and, you know, laying out a foundational piece as an organization, but giving them some ability to um, explore and, and see what they're interested in and, and, and identify things that we weren't even aware of might be a value add to the organization.
1: That's great. You know, and we always love to talk about emerging technology, kind of how they all blend together, what you can do, what the possibilities are. And, you know, when you look look to the future, there's a lot of opportunity, different ways that you can, uh, you know, hope for things to happen, maybe, you know, how you want things to go. So what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government?
3: Well, I think wherever possible, um, we need to find opportunities where we can drive innovation. I think um if you look kind of from you know right after the, the millennium through the probably I don't know, 2010, 2015 or so, um DOD was pretty much, you know, whatever Silicon Valley does, we're we're gonna follow from an innovation uh perspective. And you you've started to see in the last five or so years an understanding of hey we we've got to be fully integrated um with our uh innovators here and wherever possible um drive that innovation so again i, I think we've we've turned into the right uh direction when you look at the, the defense innovation unit uh, out at, at silicon valley so that was something i was able to work with when i was on the air staff back when they, they still had the experimental on the end of their 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 title and, and it was great to work with them and go out and see what was within the realm of possible and you know within the Air Force Kessel Run and up up in, in New England and and the various software factories that we have um, across the uh, the the DoD space. And um, again, what I, I see is a particular value is the fact that they're partnering up and they're sharing information and where somebody else has come up with something innovative, they're not holding on to it. they're they're sharing it with the, their their peers and, and the other software factories leveraging platforms. Um, So I think that's where we're really starting to gain momentum as opposed to kind of the old acquisition approach of here's a program it's within a stovepipe and only that program has control of it. We're kind of turning things 90 degrees and understanding that if I've developed something over here, there's probably a value add that I can bring somewhere else um, within our service or within DOD. So you're seeing a lot of collaboration uh, over the course of the last five years that really um, historically DOD is kind of um, uh, I, I, you know, informally frowned upon based off of the stovepipes that uh, we've had in place. But you know, the, the, this, the culture and the community uh, that you have within the innovation community is driving that collaboration and um, a, across the services, and that's where I think you're really starting to see some momentum. And I'm really excited um, to see that continue because I'm convinced that uh, it's just going to improve as we go along.
2: Yeah, we we completely agree. And, and that's actually part for our listeners, you know, have who have heard us on this podcast. They may have also heard us on the AI Today podcast, which we've been doing now since you can see the sign behind me here. But like we've been doing this for since 2017. And I think one of the reasons why we we when we started AI in government as a as a very particular in-person event series in 2019, and now we're focusing on gov future is because these things that may have previously been considered silos or stovepipes, depending on your perspective, they're actually all very interlinked. So AI is related, of course, to analytics, which is related to big data, which is related to the cloud, which is of course is related to cyber, which is related to zero trust, which is related even to some now aspects of quantum, because we think about that in the context of cyber and zero trust. And it's hard to really treat them all as separate things because the more that we do in IT modernization exactly, which is this idea of we need to take our systems, which we may have built in these stovepipes and silos and figure out how to bring them into the modern world, one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking about uh, in the past are this idea of the D-I-K-U-W pyramid, which you may be familiar with, which is data is at the bottom. As we build more knowledge of that data, we have uh, intelligent data, information, and from in- information we work to knowledge, and from knowledge we work to understanding, and from there we can work to wisdom. And as we start building up, we start getting more abstract from the bottom, which is just storage of the data and moving the data around, now we have to deal with these higher levels. And of course, that starts to bring these things together. And that's part of why Gov Future came about was like, hey, we, let's start thinking about these things in a more holistic way. And you know, there's a cyber angle to data storage, and there's a big data angle to AI, and there's a quantum <laughs> angle to... So this is great. And I think this is part of why we love having these interviews with folks like yourselves because you bring those different perspectives and having to synthesize this all together in the context of the mission what we're trying to accomplish uh in terms of this overall uh, objective. So, I know that
3: was a little bit of a of a lecture there, but <laughs> no, but you're correct. I mean, if you if you go back 5 years ago, all those things that you listed out were individual programs, uh, you know, and then they were they were largely stovepiped and and I, fortunately, I think um you know, individuals within each of those realized, hey, if we're really going to make progress, we, we've got to collaborate and now you you've started to see that formally by um, you know at, at the at the Secretariat level within the Pentagon, a uh, number of those um, efforts being consolidated uh, un, under one umbrella to, to drive that collaboration. Well, excellent. Well, once again,
2: I know we could spend a lot of time here. We, we probably will. So, hopefully, we'll have you back in a future podcast episode. But I really wanted to thank you so much again. We were really thrilled to have Jim Jim Palumbo here on our Gut Future podcast. Really, we want to thank you for sharing your insights
3: with our listeners. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it and another time. Let me know.
1: Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. I know we could probably go on forever about this. So maybe we'll have you back in the future. Um, you know and kind of say where things are maybe a year or two from now. So thank you again so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Also, if you are not already a member, you should consider joining GovFuture, and we, you know, go to govfuture.com slash join. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. It gives you opportunities to collaborate with government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. We've got great resources if you're looking to get more insights and details on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics as well. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com slash resources, tailored for our GovFuture listeners. Again, that's govfuture.com slash resources, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well.
0: To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators. Go to govfuture.com/slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright Gov Future, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the Gov Future podcast and catch you at the next episode.